This week on Inside Motorsport, we look back at what is possibly the best weekend of motorsport in a calendar year. I hope you'll stay with us. Richard Kyle joins us on the line, and it's a big statement to say one weekend is better than any other weekend in motorsport. But Richard, the uh, weekend, this last weekend in May, is internationally huge and locally this year we just had a tremendous shannon's nationals round i would have to say probably the biggest interest shannon's national rounds in the history of the shannon's nationals yeah g'day craig g'day to everyone listening in i think you're right um in both in both of your comments there and that it is such a massive weekend internationally and, and i don't think there's too many arguments that it's the biggest weekend of the year in, in motor racing terms. Uh, and in terms of the Shannon's Nationals round, where we had uh, the Australian GT 101 and also uh, a round of the Porsche Carrera Cup with the, the Pro-Am format, and that there was a bunch of full-time V8 supercar guys uh, joining the fun. And that brings with it its own interest and level of media exposure and social media exposure, especially in these days uh, as well. So, yeah, look, fantastic weekend, wasn't it? And just, just everywhere you turn, there was something to watch and... Um, we managed to uh, on on Sunday. Get, you know, we got to the racetrack at about seven o'clock at Phillip Island. Um, once we got back to uh, where we reconvened on Sunday night, we rewatched the Indy Lights race. Then we watched Monaco Grand Prix. Then we watched the Indy 500. Then we watched the NASCARs at Charlotte. And uh, by then, it was time to finally uh, have a snooze. But um, yeah, remarkable weekend of motor racing and uh, do some pretty amazing motor racing on it as well. Yeah, there was indeed. If we start with the Shannon's Nationals, then uh, Glenn Seaton and Bob Pearson defending their great Southern four-hour victory was a great place to start. And uh, three Enduros on the one weekend in anyone's language is just uh, a sensational program. But to, to kick it off with the Australian Manufacturers Championship Enduro, uh, a little bit of a pro-am of a sorts, but uh, certainly had uh, a great feel to it. Yeah, look, and, and production car racing is really growing this year in, in Australian motorsport, which is great to see. And the Amtamps are getting some serious interest with some big names and some even, you know, some cool cars coming on board as well. And there's, there's new cars being built and that field is growing and developing as the year goes on. So that's been great. It was a good race. Uh, it came down to the last stint with uh, Beric Linton aboard the BMW 1M chasing down Glenn Seaton in the uh, Mitsubishi. Seaton had the car... Just struggling to get it in top gear for the final sort of half of the race. So they were just striking that car home. They were dominant for much of that race, Cedo and Pearson, but uh, they were they were chased down and the pressure was on in the end of the last laps and uh, a quite dramatic finish and, and saw uh, Barrett Winton, who was co-going with Tim Way in the BM deck to within just over a second at the checkered flag. But a really great motor race. So it was a strange old weekend too because we had the GT championship there, as I mentioned earlier, they raced on Saturday. They were done. They popped up and went home on Saturday night. So uh, it was a sort of marquee races on Saturday and on Sunday. And do you know what? I actually think that worked really well because it, it felt like two race meetings in one. It had a real interesting feel about how that race meeting, how the event played out with this focus and the build-up of the GT race uh, on Saturday. And then you come back Sunday no GT cars running at all, except you know, a couple obviously had their second one-hour race. But then you had this the four-hour production car race later in the afternoon. So 
Oh, I think the format worked really well, and certainly the numbers that we had on the live stream on both days reflected that. Mm. Um, yeah, really interesting weekend of racing. Yeah, Garth Sander jumping into the GT class when when we talked about V8 supercar drivers, most of them were pro-amming in the Carrera Cup, but he uh, obviously took the opportunity to uh, rejoin the Shannons Nationals and uh, ha- have a go with uh, Tony Quinn. Yeah, he did, and he won. It was first time since 2003 that Garth had raced anything else other than a supercar. So he, uh, he had a ball, absolute ball, and it was really nice to see Garth relaxed and enthusiastic and, and, and just really enjoying his motor racing. It was fantastic. He, he drove very, very well. Chased down Richard Musket and Jack Brock in the Erebus Mercedes and got past them with two laps to go to win the race. So it was a pretty dramatic thing. That Aston Martin's a very quick car. Tony Quinn did a great job. I went up to grab some quotes from Tony after the race and uh, Tony being Tony um, basically gave me a whole bunch of stuff that I, I couldn't repeat on air uh, basically with two words. Um, the second one was great. The first one I'll leave up to your imagination. Um, but Garth was very effusive about driving that car and what he thought about it and, and really enjoyed the experience. Um, the Erebus guys did an awesome job, as always. Rich Musket's a real star of the future. Zach Brock, we know how good he is. He was awesome in that car last year and did a great job as a co-driver. Um, yeah, really entertaining race. GT racing in Australia at the moment is... Uh, Oh, it's riding, uh, riding a bit of a crest of a wave at the moment, Craig. It's, it's very strong. I think picking up from the 12 hours, increasing exposure and success, uh, the domestic championship looking very, very strong under the uh, management of the Quinn family. Mm, they head off to Townsville for their next race. The Pro-Am for the Carrera ah. Cup, uh, Richard, is uh, is an event which really came uh, to a fruition and, and growth out of the success of the Ren Sport Pro-Am at Sydney Motorsport mm. Park last year. And once they saw how successful that is, they said, we're not waiting two years to do it again. We're going to make sure we have it on this year as well. Yeah, it, it was sort of an idea to get some more laps, basically, because on the V8 program, they're obviously a bit constricted with only been able to do sprint races. And, and you'd never get the V8 supercar drivers out of their main game gigs out of V8 round either. So it was a good opportunity to open it up to to those guys to run. Yeah, it was a great weekend. Race one on Saturday was bruising. I only had 10 of the 20 starters um, get to the finish, which was a record in Korea Cup in terms of percentages of race finishes. Um, but it, it was a wild one, absolutely wild one. And uh, the overall winners in the weekend were Scott McLaughlin, who was driving with Stephen Groves, who's a, a regular runner in the elite division in the championship. So Scotty McLaughlin got in. Ripper motor race on Sunday, and Scotty and Nick Perkat did the duties in the second half of the race on Sunday. And Scotty went from fifth to second in about three laps. He found 10 seconds to the leader and uh, chased down Perkat, got to him on the final lap, had a proper red hot go at getting past, couldn't quite get there. And Perkat, of course, raced Perkat cars full time last year, finished second in the championship to Craig Baird. Um, he ended up getting the chocolates and got the flag first. That was awesome. Speaking of Bear, he uh, had a welcome return to form in a new car compared to the one he'd driven the first two rounds. Uh, remarkable performance, bounced back and won the uh, Saturday race with Max Twig and then uh, won the round for the professional drivers overall. And it's rocketed Bairdo back into title contention. Yeah, he was um, never going to be down so, for too long, was he? No, he wasn't. No, and, uh, and, and I said to a couple of drivers at the start of the year, look, underestimate him at your peril because he will bounce back and he will find a way to, to get back to his winning ways. And it just so happened that it happened at Silk Island. So 
yeah, impressive performance by Baird, but there were some good drives over the weekend, and, man, Curl Cup's good at the moment. Craig, it really is. It's, it's a pointy end, especially. It's so competitive when you've got guys like Warren Luff on the song, Stephen Richards, Craig Baird, Nick Foster, Nick McBride, you know, Shay Davies. You've got this balance of the experienced guys like Richo and Berto and Luffy, and then these young, hungry kids who really want to do the business. So, yeah, it's a terrific championship at the moment, and the second half of the season, I think, is going to be uh, very much worth watching. Yep, they're off to Townsville for their next round as well. We'll just wrap up yeah. uh, Radical Cup. John Corbett, Tim Berryman and Peter White getting the wins there. We're running out of time on the show, but we do have to talk about, uh, firstly, the Monaco Formula One Grand Prix. It was a Mercedes love fest. Well, perhaps there's not too much love left at Mercedes with Nico Rosberg uh, heading off his teammate Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, there's probably only two things saving Formula One, personally for me anyway at the moment, and that's the, the pending rivalry between Rosberg and Hamilton. And I personally hope that explodes. I, I hope they get stuck into each other a little bit more because that inter-team battle is going to be, I think, the World Championship fight. And there's no real, not being a rocket science by, uh, by predicting that because they are a class above at the moment. That and Daniel Ricciardo's continued good form. He was awesome on the weekend and his second half of the race especially was... Very, very good. But come on, that was the warm-up event, Craig. As you well know, the big one started at about 2.30 on Monday morning our time, the Indy 500. And what an amazing race that was. It was. It's called the greatest spectacle in motor racing. It is the single largest sporting, one-day sporting event in the world. And this year lived up to it. 140-odd laps without a safety car or a pace car, as they call it in the United States, uh, because of caution on the circuit. And uh, it was an exciting race there. You had five, six cars at any one time, nose to tail, for 140-odd green laps, and then those last 60 uh, laps of the race with a, a number of safety cars in between, and then a red flag and a six-lap dash. And a great, great call by Bo Barfield, the, the chief steward and race director of IndyCar, to red flag it. Really, really good call um, after the last three races has been finished under caution. Uh, they haven't been undramatic, but they've all finished under yellow. And they don't do green-white checkers in IndyCar, especially at the 500. I think rightly so. Um, so, but a really, really good decision to red flag the race. They had to fix some of the safety barrier after Townsend Bell's crash, which brought out the red flag. Um, and then kudos to Townsend, who was running second at the time. Um, really, really good call on that setup. This brilliant finish, breathtaking racing, four lead changes in the last four laps between Ryan Hunter-Ray and the three-time winner, Elio Castroneves. Great fight and really good, hard, clean racing. Those guys have got massive cojones because some of the moves that they both pulled, and Cushman Evans went around the outside at turn one. We all know how tough that is. Hunter Ray with two to go down the inside at three on the back straight um, with two wheels over the white line and almost in the grass to take the lead was just awesome and a really, really good race. And Hunter Ray's a great champion for that event, and uh, it's, it's good for the event that an American got back to victory lane for the first time since Sam Hornish in 2006. So, yeah, ripper race, just unbelievable. IndyCar's back, Greg. I think it's, it's had a, a quiet and challenging couple of years, but the new car's been producing amazing racing. The Indy Grand Prix at the start of the month invigorated Indianapolis by the sounds of it, and what a great crowd for the opening weekend. And, there were too many empty seats during the 500 on uh, Monday morning outside, neither.
No, that's exactly right. And the IndyCar series heads up to Detroit, a racetrack that uh, a lot of speculation the V8s might be at next year. I think that's unlikely myself, but uh, Detroit with a, a V8 supercar format almost with a, a race on Saturday and a race on Sunday, two separate races. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how the Belle Isle track handles that. Well, and, and massively for the teams as well, remember, because not only did they have the road course race at, at Indianapolis two weeks before the 500, so they had to swap the cars over from road course config back to Opal, Oval to Super Speedway uh, configuration, which basically means rebuilding the cars from scratch. They now have to do the same the other way for two of the, the bumpiest street circuit they go to at Detroit, even though it's been resurfaced lately. But it's going to be a good race, Detroit, I think, the street circuit form in IndyCar. I mean, you could pick anybody in the field at this stage to win it. Um, Michaela Lotion has been very fast. Jack Hawksworth, two rookies, have been in the top three or four at times. So, yeah, it's awesome. It's so hard to pick at the moment, and it's great to have a competitive IndyCar series. I'm, I'm much more captivated by that at the moment than I am Formula One. I've struggled a little bit with F1 this year, Craig, but IndyCar's got me hooked. Yeah, and if you if you really wanted to finish it off, then the World 600 at Charlotte Motor Speedway for NASCAR did just that. Jimmy Johnson getting his first race win of the year, and now he's talking about setting it up for his seventh championship, which, uh, uh, from memory, seven championships equals the king, Richard Petty. Yeah, it does, and arguably in a much more competitive era, that would put Jimmy Johnson up there as probably one of the best in any form of motor racing, you'd have to say. Yeah, the, the Charlotte race, oh, I think that race is probably about 300 miles too long. It's 600 miles in the NASCAR race. It's a long, long old race, but there's no doubt in the talent of Jimmy Johnson and locks himself in the touch. should say Kurt Busch got about 850 miles into the double. The sixth place of the 500 was a remarkable achievement, but dropped a valve in the, uh, the Stuart Haas Chevy through the, uh, the 600 race and couldn't get to the yes. finish. But Oh, he drove really well as well. Yeah, it is. Uh, a big weekend in motorsport is, uh, well, it takes 12 months to get over it, but I know you'll be back behind the microphone very soon as the, uh, well, the VH Supercar Championship heads up to Darwin. And, of course, the Nationals before that go to Winton. Yeah, we go to, from 5 degrees at Winton in the middle of June to 35 degrees in Darwin in the middle of June the week later. So uh, I'll have hypothermia the week after, Craig. Yeah, it's always like that. But, Richard, it's a pleasure to have you back on Inside Motorsport for another week. Yeah, what a weekend it was. Inside Motorsport is produced by Thunder Media for the Community Radio Network.